Welcome to episode 4 of the Read Brave Podcast. I'm Moises. And I'm Latrice. And we are youth voices from the Irreducible Grace Foundation. We call it IGF. We are in collaboration with the St. Paul Public Library, and we created this project to highlight the themes of intersectionality and resiliency featured in the stars and the blackness between them by Janata Petrus. The author is from Minneapolis, which is something that we think is really cool, and the story follows two girls, Audrey and Mabel, as they navigate their lives as main characters. Audrey is sent to live with her father here in Minneapolis by her mom after she found out that she's a lesbian. When she moves to Minneapolis, Audrey and Mabel meet, they become friends, and they have a very sweet love story. I really enjoyed how the author wove in aspects of spirituality and black culture and self-care into the plot. We're not going to be necessarily talking about the plot today, but I did want to mention that there might be some spoilers ahead if we're giving context to a quote. Oh, and we have a guest today. Uh, She's from IGF, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, my name's Akila. I'm new to IGF. Um, I really enjoyed reading and listening to the book. Um, I just want to say thank you for having me and letting me speak today. Awesome. Right. We'll jump right into the first quote. The first quote goes like this. Take your feelings and hold them with softness, but also with power. And whenever you feel afraid, know you can ask your fear about itself. This is page 134. Queenie said this to Audrey when she was giving her moon baths, which is basically when you bathe outside under the moonlight. And um, you can add botanicals and oils for any added, added magic, and it just helps you wash away things that you want to wash away. Um, and Queenie was giving Audrey moon baths because she would have a lot of nightmares as a child. I didn't think of the moon baths like too much about it when I first read it in the book. Mm-hmm. But when you were telling me on like the history of moon baths itself, I was like, that's a lot more powerful than I thought it was. We'll get more into that later. But I, when I first read this quote, I was thinking my brain defaulted to another metaphor despite it already giving me like some sort of symbolism to it. I was thinking of a magnifying glass and using that to look into yourself because the magnifying glass isn't meant to harm you. It's just meant to look deeper or more detailed with what you are feeling or what you're thinking about. So you're able to hold it with like a lot of attention, a lot of power, but it's still soft because it doesn't mean any harm. And the way you're observing yourself, you're not harming your thoughts by looking at them yourself. Yeah. Um, for when I read this quote, I kind of interpreted it as um, how you handle your fear. You kind of talked about this too, but like the idea of being delicate, but also being strong, it's not mutually exclusive. Like both can exist at the same time. And um, applying this personally, like, I realize that sometimes I can fit into the stereotype of being a loud black woman. And I know that society wants me to be strong and just about everything that I do, but also keeping in mind that it's okay for me to be delicate and soft and emotional sometimes. Cause like, yeah, like black women are seen as very like masculine, like I said before, like very strong, but also the fact that I am a woman and people (laughs) stereotype us to be overly emotional and so it is very interesting to kind of find, like... The so, irony in that. Yeah, there is a lot of irony, but then also, like, accepting that. You know, sometimes that's just how people are going to see me, and that's just mm-hmm. what it's going to have to be. And, you know, I still have to, you know, be strong when I want to be strong and be emotional when I need to be emotional because at the end of the day, it's about my mental health. And, you know, I shouldn't let other people's expectations of me um, control that. Feel the way you need to feel. Yeah. And Akila, you chose this quote, so I just wanted to ask, how come you how come this stood out to you? I really liked it. 
Um, it honestly stood out to me because it confused me at first. I didn't know what she meant by it. And but it was so pretty. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it was poetic. just it was just so yeah, it was so poetic and I didn't understand it. And it like took me I kept repeating it to myself. Like, is she saying like face your fears? Is she saying is it's okay to be vulnerable? Is she saying it's not okay to be vulnerable? Like there was like this uh-huh. big open space of like why I was trying to figure out like what she actually meant by that. And I think it like connected on like a spiritual level for me because like personally I'm going down like this spiritual journey so I'm like well what does that mean to me and like how do I relate to that so that's why I picked the quote yeah and I think it can mean all of it like if that's if that's what you take away from the quote then that's that's really good yeah like having such I guess I never really thought about the vagueness of it mm-hmm. there is a bit of vagueness to it that lets you help that facilitates interpretation to the individual and being able to do it whenever, whichever way you like knowing that the result that you come out with would probably be the one best suited to you and it's still being the same quote other people are reading that's kind of cool mm-hmm. and actually talking about this kind of I mean I'm interpreting it as something different as well when she's saying take your feelings and hold them with softness but also with power it reminds me of the importance of like self-awareness and how powerful that can be to like be able to recognize what emotions that you're feeling um especially fear because a lot of people like we want to dismiss it or ignore that we're feeling scared um but to like actually like admit that you're scared about something is really powerful i also mentioned that you taught me a little bit about the history of moon bats could you say that again about moon bats okay so yeah in the book um queenie had a bathtub outside and she would fill it up with water and she would you can add botanical so flowers and stuff like that and then also essential oils um and then you you bathe yourself in the in the in the bath and i know a lot of people do this during um the, it's like their ritual during c- cycles of the moon um and so when you're taking a bath for spiritual intentions like you can wash away things that you need to like get off your chest so for audrey it would be being scared and going to sleep and having bad dreams um but yeah i know some people like they take um certain baths for like to have like more emotional energy or um like guidance and confidence and things like that so it kind of differs like you you make it what you want it to be but yeah definitely research it if you want to try it yourself because like you don't want to make a mistake and then end up um getting a rash yeah, <laughs> yeah getting a rash or like yeah I won't even get into it, but I mean, yeah. that's a cool picture, seeing someone just in the bathtub under the moonlight and yeah. like the flowers floating around. Really pretty. I personally usually do a spiritual baths. It's not outside, mm-hmm. but especially I found it really healing um, during like the whole COVID thing. Mm. And I felt like every time I would go outside, I had so much like, negative energy on me. Mm. And like I was researching and doing everything because like I said, I'm on my spiritual journey. And I found it so healing, and I always find, like, new herbs and things to put in it. So when she put it in the book that, like, she had a spiritual bath, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I love this. Yes. Awesome. So that leads us into the first breath break of the episode. Um, This is called Energy Breath. This energizer comes from Qigong, which is a millennia-old system of coordinated body posture, movement, breathing, and meditation that's used for the purposes of health. 
I'm going to tell you all the steps before you practice with me. So you will stand up with your feet shoulder width apart okay. and hands by your sides. Yep. Then you will inhale and bring your arms up in front of you like you're holding a giant beach ball to your chest. Then continue inhaling and bring your arms out to your sides like a T. Then exhale and bring your arms back in front of you holding that giant beach ball and continue exhaling and bring them back to your sides. All right, so let's do it all three times together. Inhale, bring your arms up and out. Exhale, bring them back together and down. Inhale, up and out. Exhale, together and down. One more time. Inhale, up and out. Exhale, together and down. Okay, pay attention to how you feel. I know energy breath always makes me super energized sometimes when i do it too much i get lightheaded so this is one of the like i do a kind of something similar to this whenever i go jogging mm. because you know there's like specific breaths that keep you moving this was one of the, the things that awesome. i use to just keep going through my run awesome akila how does energy breath make you feel i like it i'm trying to process it all because i'm was trying to get the hand movements down yeah I but i that. think <laughs> if i i think if i keep it up i would like it a little more awesome mm-hmm Originally, it's meant to be with like five to like six breaths. And we only cut it down to three. Yeah. All right. So let's just go ahead and get into our second quote of the day. This is at the beginning of the book when Audrey was crying to Queenie before she left Trinidad. Um, and Queenie, you know, she just drops some knowledge like she always does. She says, Audrey, you are a wild nurturing. You are complicated specialness. You are ancestral perseverance and sacred erotic page seven right yeah yeah so why this quote so i was just reading like reading through it and then the part that like really caught my eye was when she said your complicated specialness and i felt like she described me in such a way like i feel like everything i've ever doubted in my life or am i not good enough am i not this am i not that yeah. i feel like her saying you're a complicated specialness like okay yes you're a complicated person but that makes you unique yeah. and that makes you you mm-hmm. and so that part right there like i had to read that like over and over again i was like well was that an insult or was that <laughs> or was that a compliment and i chose to take it as a compliment yeah. like th- whatever about you that makes you unique um nothing so like that, us. huh there's nothing like us. yeah it's nothing like us so I, I really liked it that um and then like you are wild and nurturing i just feel like that like enhances of her like being complicated it enhances mm-hmm. of her being her own unique person and like her truly embracing it for the fact that someone else can see how complex she is in a good yeah. way well said yeah well said to me the quote it stood out to me because it reminded me to give myself grace just like by the language that the author chose you know complicated specialness and wild nurturing like they just seem like complete opposites of each other but they work together um and so it reminds me to give myself grace and then also other people too and also just thinking about it it reminds me of um the concept of sonder which is yeah sonder it's when you realize that everything 
is much bigger than yourself. Like every single person oh. that you meet has their own like complicated specialness. There's like a they word have for that. Yeah, they 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 have like their whole history. They have hopes and dreams and family and they've experienced love and all that stuff. And it's not just me who's like gone through hard things. Like everybody else has too. Breaking through the like our naive narcissism, right? <laughs> and finally realizing that there's a bigger world from us. Wow. Exactly. And so. Thunder. Yeah, I just wanted to send my compliments to the author because, like, this type of stuff is what caused me to admire Audrey so much. Just, like, because she was just, like, a whole person. Like, yeah, she's a fictional character, but, like, it really brought... I mean, she was really able to bring all the characters to life Mm -hmm. with quotes like this. Especially when you find something about a character that you can really relate to. Yes. Um, One of the characters was vegan, and I'm personally a vegan, so I can really relate to that. Um, And and then, like, being in Minneapolis, like, I can relate to that because that's where I grew up. So I like when things are really relatable in the book. Mm Mm-hmm. The thing that stood out to me was like sacred erotic, which sounds a little funny, but uh, it stood out to me because people think of eroticism as something impure or as like dirty, but her using sacred erotic specifically shows that there's, it gives it so much more, well, it makes it what it is because something sacred is godly or holy or something that is beyond what is mortal or what is human. And we don't really connect that with something like eroticism, which is very primal and instinctual in humans. But that instinct itself is something spiritual. That instinct is holy in its own way because it's amongst all of us. It's omnipresent in the human existence. Right. It's in everyone. And that shouldn't make it impure desiring one another loving one another isn't an impure thing it's very very pure i'd like to go back to the quote the quote says audrey you are a wild nurturing you are a complicated specialness you are an ancestral perseverance and sacred erotic there's a lot of oxymorons in it and i love the way that she uses these oxymorons to enforce her points in every single one of them the one that we all tended to focus on was the complicated specialness. When I heard complicated specialness, it reminded me of a YouTube video (laughs) that was talking about how humans would one day try to upload their minds into a digital realm or a digital world to escape our mortal bodies. And they were saying that they tried like mapping out a mouse brain and they, so far scientists have gotten like one cubic millimeter of mouse brain. And they did that by slicing it tens of thousands of times and using a high resolution microscope to take pictures for the period of five months nonstop. And with that, they got like a piece of brain that's the size of a grain of sand. And all that data amounted 1000 gigabytes. If we wanted to map out a human mind, we would have to do that over a million times. And that's just having a good picture of what the brain would look like. That's not even taking into account all the connections, the chemical reactions, the neurons firing against one another, bouncing ideas and creating thoughts, emotions and feelings. Like none of that is taken into account. And that's already one million thousand gigabytes. A trillion, no, yeah, no, a billion gigabytes with just the image of the human mind. It's a lot more complicated than we could ever imagine. I can't think of an amount that big. Right. Me neither. 
Yeah, and actually, Moises, that sounds like something that Afua would know a lot about from the book um, because he spent a lot of time in prison, you know, reading about books and stuff like that. It seems like something he would be an expert in. Um, and that actually leads us to our third quote of the episode, our, our last one. And um, we took this quote from a part in the book when um, Afua's best friend James would tell him about all the cool things that he learned from books about spirituality, you know, um, people from Asia, from Africa, from um, indigenous people here in the Americas, Culture. all that really cool stuff. Yeah, and he would just tell Fu about everything. Um, and then he posed a hypothetical saying, what if black people got their wisdom from their dreams and not just the church and the Bible? And then he then goes on to say that the blackness between the stars is the melanin in your skin. And that's the quote that we're going to be talking about. The blackness between the stars is the melanin in your skin. That quote right there, that's the one for me. Um, That, it was a couple points with that one. Um, The first one, I feel like we're we're all like connected into the universe in one way or another. And that's what they were trying to say. And then I also interpreted it as our ancestors are up there and we're a part of our ancestors. And so when we come to life, like we, you know, when we come to life, we, we're still a part of them, so we have that melanin that they have in the sky. I don't know if I'm making sense, yes, but no, you're like, sense. yeah, we have that melanin that they have in the sky, and like that's our wisdom. That's where we get it from. That's you know, it's it's greatness. Like we're, it's always greatness. It's so much more vast. Than yeah. Else. Um, and it's like it's like a secret guidance or like a roadmap to like everything's gonna be okay almost. And that's how I interpret it. And I love that quote so much. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, to me, um, I really I really like this quote, too. I love it when the title of the book is in the book. Like, when I can pick it out and be like, oh, yeah, that's where she got it from. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. And um, over the past couple of years, like, melanin has been used, like, a lot. Like, you know, melanin is beautiful. Your melanin is beautiful, you know. Um, black is beautiful, of course, has been going on for a couple decades but um I'm also just thinking about like what we interpret and like what types of symbols like and colors that we interpret as so like a lot of the times like when we hear about something being black or dark it's like bad or scary or it symbolizes death like in my English class like we're always talking about that and then if it's white then it's pure and you know light and stuff like that um so to me it's just kind of like blackness is beauty like the stars and it doesn't have to be what our English teacher says it represents you know what I mean and like I really feel like a lot of black children especially should hear this quote because I mean like it can kind of teach them to love themselves and the color of their skin and not associate it with bad things I know for me, if I would have heard something like that growing up, I would have felt much better Um, because I'm a dark-skinned girl, and it was really hard, especially I grew up in the 90s. So especially in the 90s and trying to do anything like bright colors or different hair Mm -hmm. was a lot for me. And just to hear something like that or just to hear that um, people go through things or um, we're a part of something much bigger than we can ever see, I think I will feel so much better about myself. So I think this is great that yeah. she put it in um, there because it can help so many girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And also, like, going back to what you were talking about, like, with the universe and, like, the image of the stars. So, you, obviously, you have, like, the sky, which is black, and then the stars, which are light. And, like, I feel like Janata, when she painted that picture, it kind of created, like, an equality of beauty. Like, the stars are beautiful. Yes, everybody always says, oh, I'm going stargazing. Look at the beautiful stars. But then it's also, like, look at the blackness between them, too. It's just as beautiful. And, you know reminds us of our ancestors and all that stuff and it's just really nice to remember that interpretation of darkness being like something impure to be afraid of and light being something to be admired and worshiped is such a primitive thing because that comes from people not having a uh not being able to defend themselves at night because animals had such better eyes than us and there was no way we could see into the darkness once the sun went away and so we would fear something like that was dark something that we couldn't see through something that uh shrouded us in some way shape or form but it's primitive that's not the same fear we have today that's not something we right. fear today because we have it's outdated we have flashlights right. in our pockets constantly so continuing on that interpretation of darkness as being something that uh, shrouds you and like obscures things from you and keeps you from finding something good isn't the case anymore um, there's so much beauty in darkness. There's so much calm, peacefulness. Right. Yeah, I live in the suburbs right now. And, like, I'm usually, I live in the city. But, like, when I like, get home really late at night and I just, like, look up and it's, like, stars. Because, like, in the city, you know, you don't get to see that. And, yeah, definitely after reading this book, it, it helps me, like, um, appreciate it more. But then also what you were talking about is, like, oh, at nighttime, like, you know. And also I'm... Like five one, I weigh a hundred pounds. Like, I could, <laughs> I could get kidnapped or something like that. So it's like I can't even admire them for that long because I gotta like, be safe and you know always take care of my safety. It's not the darkness that's something to be afraid of. It's what's, it's what tried to take advantage of it. Yeah. That's what, people fear, and then we associated that with darkness itself, which kind of sucks. I was talking to Jan about this. She's our IGF leader, and I was mentioning how it was kind of like the stars were CEOs or the headmasts of companies or businesses and that like the thing that supported that star the thing that made it stand out was what was around it someone that owns a company someone that is a business owner would never stand out would never get anywhere without them being supported with what's around them so I was thinking of the way companies are built where there's like the employees on the bottom but no one gives them ever any credit no one really looks at them. No one really uh, acknowledges them for their work. They just get their check and they're gone. But that star wouldn't exist mm. without the darkness around it. Yeah, I always thought about it as like, and I think about it, uh, the ocean as this way as well. The stars in the ocean have seen everything, and it's so much bigger than us. And for it to just still be standing is a powerful thing because they have they hold so much secrets sadness mm. happiness you can see like they literally been here forever and like people don't acknowledge that people just take the stars and think like nature for granted so much this is making me want to go stargazing like, <laughs> yeah on, or to the beach or something like that I have to stay up at night anyway, so me just going outside and like sitting in my yard, the weather's great. Right. Just put on a thick sweater and I'm good. And I'm going to move on to our next exercise. I'm going to be teaching soft belly breathing. Um, 
It's very simple. It's a lot like all the other uh, all the other breathing techniques you've already done. You breathe in through your nose, filling up your belly, and you breathe out through your mouth, <sighs> emptying it, trying to get all that stale carbon dioxide out. So, to do this, you put your hands, one on your heart, one on your belly, and as you inhale, think about inflating it softly, creating something pure. Exhale. Watch it deflate and think belly. Inhale again. Think to yourself, soft. Exhale. Think belly. Inhale again. Soft. Exhale. Belly. Inhale. Soft. Exhale. Belly. One more. Inhale. Soft. Exhale. Belly. Focus on the hand on your heart. Feel it beating. And that's soft belly breathing. Thank you. I feel so relaxed right now. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up the episode. I'm going to give a summary of what we talked about just to give you all a reminder. So our first quote was about holding our feelings with softness and power and asking our fear about itself. We talked about Moises's, um magnifying glass metaphor. We talked about being proud of um, our self-awareness of our emotions and how we exist in society and facing our fears. The second quote was filled with oxymorons. We had complicated specialness, ancestral perseverance, and sacred erotic. We talked about giving grace, what Sonder is, and how vast our brains are. And we also gave our input on, on how we connected to it in a personal way. The third quote was Aquila's favorite. The third quote was Aquila's favorite. We talked about the blackness between the stars being the melanin in our skin the importance of realizing that not all black is bad and that not all light is necessarily good. Um, we talked about we are all connected to the universe and that it is filled with beauty. Next week, we will have a new guest featured on the podcast, and we will be talking about being grounded, religion, and our ancestors. And I just want to say thank you so much to Akila, our guest. We really enjoyed having you, you here. Awesome. You picked some really good quotes, and um, I'm really glad that we were able to dive into them with you. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. I love talking about books with other people. So thank you. Those are seriously powerful quotes. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for, for tuning, tuning in to the Read Brave podcast. podcast. I'm Moises. And I'm Latrice. And we are youth voices from the Irreducible Grace Foundation in collaboration with the St. Paul Public Library. See you next See week. See you next week. <laughs>